Hello and welcome to the Learning How to Love podcast. I'm Penny and this podcast is dedicated to love. But not just relationships, romance or the type of love that we feel because love is a verb. It's something that we do. And I hope that through these weekly stories of heartache, healing and courage, you feel inspired and empowered to express and embrace love in its many forms every day of your life. In this episode, I go into a bit of detail about times in my life that were really difficult. As we hang out together over the course of this podcast, you will learn that a lot of the self-realization and a lot of the turning points came through conversations. But I know that talking about our mental health and things that we struggle with isn't always easy. So if you feel that you're at a point in your life where you want to work through some of your issues or talk to someone about the things that you're going through or the things that you're avoiding, then therapy is a great option. With that being said, I want to thank BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service and it's 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 30,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy, and that way BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then, you can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether it's via text, chat, phone or video call. You can message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. And if your therapist isn't the right fit for you for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional cost. With BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you with more scheduling flexibility and at a more affordable cost. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com forward slash lovepenny. That's betterhelp.com forward slash lovepenny. So, welcome to episode one, my darlings. We are here. I am here. I've done it. I've started a podcast. Wait, can we just have a moment of silence, please? Actually, I'm way too excited to stop for a whole moment, but this is like five years in the making, guys. Anyone that has experienced or struggled with procrastination, self-doubt, putting things off, resistance around really important things will know how huge this is. Well, the fact that I've said five years in the making, (laughs) I think that's enough. Yeah, you are going to hear this kind of announcement on my first few interviews over the course of this podcast, because they are with people who are friends of mine um, and who also know the resistance that has been around starting this podcast. So just warning you in advance that you will hear that a couple of times. But here I am. So am I Penny the podcaster now? Is that my new name? 
<laughs> if I change my name with every new venture I took on, I'd have lost my identity a long time ago. So welcome, welcome to episode one. For this first episode, I'm going to be talking to you about why this precious podcast is so important to me. I'm going to be talking about the podcast in general, but why the topic is important to me. And I believe important for everyone. As I mentioned in the short trailer, this podcast is going to be full of surprises. I'm not sticking to anything niche. It's going to be a mix of solo episodes with reflections and ponderings of, you know, me just talking about different things and different experiences and certain topics that are important to me and sharing my views on them or things I've learned in those areas of life. And also there's going to be guests, lots of lovely interviews with amazing people who are sharing real life stories about experiences they've been through, fresh starts, awakenings, life-changing moments, heartache, healing, recovery, loads of different experiences where they have learned how to love on themselves, on others, how to receive love and loads of stuff. There'll be poems, love letters, journal entries, and maybe even, depending on who's on, a song or two. You never know. You never know who's coming on. <laughs> you never know how things are going to flow. Love is a verb. You've heard me say it before, but I am going to say it again. And I'm going to say it loads. <laughs> I am a repetitive one, I am. Love is a verb. It's something we do. It's not just something we feel. And if we can decide every day that we're going to make a conscious effort to walk in love regarding ourselves, regarding others, regarding our thoughts, then we will feel and live free. That's what I've learned. Freedom is priceless. When you don't have peace of mind, when you don't have confidence, when you aren't able to really open up your heart and let your barriers down and love others and receive love and, and just see the world in a positive light. When you're, you know, you've, you've got all this entanglement of lies and doubt and overthinking going on. That's not freedom. That's bondage. That's like prison. And the opposite is that liberating experience of living true, of knowing who you are, understanding who you are, believing in goodness, believing in the goodness of people, letting go of the past, making difficult decisions because you know they're right for you, loving on yourself, you know, seeing things from a loving perspective. When we make steps to live like that, everything around us changes, our relationships, our self-esteem, everything. If I carried on trying to do lists here, <laughs> we'd be here forever and I would get terribly frustrated wondering what I've left out. But you get the gist. Why is this so important to me? So going off of everything I've just said, I believe that love in its many forms really is all we need. It's all we need to heal to thrive and to break free from everything preventing us from being who we are meant to be. There are many reasons why this podcast is important to me and this topic in particular, and I'll share a few of them, but I will go into more detail um, about these different things 
in separate episodes and I guess along the whole course of the podcast. After a traumatic childhood, losing my mum at 15 to drugs, I then like almost around the exact same time got into a really abusive relationship. I survivor of domestic abuse. I got out of that relationship at 21 and then I struggled a lot with eating disorders, substance misuse and yeah, just just I guess most things you you hope your daughter doesn't. I felt like things weren't affecting me because I weren't thinking about them. But I did have dark thoughts and and I did have really hopeless times. And so when I did go to seek help, I was diagnosed with ADHD. <laughs> I'm only laughing because there's a list here. And I knew nothing about mental health before that. Um, but I was diagnosed with ADHD, CPTSD, which is complex post-traumatic stress disorder, um, anxiety and depression. Um, and I was told that only really strong medication could help me. So I had to make a decision to commit my life to learning how to love because I knew deep down that it was the only thing that would set me free. I knew that I had to really understand myself. I had to put the time in to figure out what I was struggling with. I had to remember some things, let go of some things, forgive some people, decide to look at myself in a different way. If I needed to stop avoiding life um, and living this kind of, um, you know, living in a separate reality to seem okay and to just not feel scared because a lot of the things that I'd been through were fear, were fear-based. One of the things that I was just so grateful for at one point was that I weren't scared anymore. I weren't living a fearful life, but I certainly wasn't free. And I certainly wasn't living an authentic life. I was just going through the motions and doing everything I could to feel good in the moment. It was all fake and it was all exhausting. And so when I got these diagnoses, I was 30. It's still very young. Anyone over 30, I'm 36 now. I'm still a young spring chicken. But I mean, you know, it was it was later in life. When I got those diagnoses, I knew that the main thing that I needed to do was to let go of some stuff, was to forgive some people, forgive myself, was to learn how to love myself through feeling, through having good thoughts and feeling good feelings about myself. So love in that way and just respecting myself and having that fondness towards myself and appreciating myself because I didn't have those thoughts. I always felt like I was falling short. And if I looked better or if I was doing better, then I would be worthy of that level of love. But I also knew that I had to love on myself. I had to cut some things off, cut some relationships off, some habits. I had to really put myself first in so many ways. And it was scary. It was really scary to even picture because I I received a lot of validation by being around people and being everything to people. And I knew that for me to really be free, I'd have to spend some time alone in prayer, alone, <laughs> you know, not getting people involved, not spending every minute, you know, trying to be everyone else's savior. 
which I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I don't, I don't feel like I was wasting time doing that because, you know, you learn how to love by loving. That's a quote by Iris Murdoch, which I love. And there's a certain level of freedom and healing that comes through loving on others, despite what you're going through. People say that that's abandoning yourself. And I don't agree. I think there is a time where you do have to put yourself first too. And of course, (laughs) the, the relationship you have with yourself is the second most important relationship that you'll have first being with your creator. It is important that you put yourself first, but sometimes putting others first is incredibly healing a lot of the time. And for me, I definitely experienced that. And I don't regret a minute of it. I don't regret a minute of trying to be a mum to everyone and trying to nurture everyone whilst I was still going through inner turmoil. And I don't regret a minute of it. Genevieve Gerard said, if we open our hearts to give love, we are immediately transported into the joy and blessings of love. And I believe that fully. And I experienced that. I didn't feel as much sorrow when I was loving on and supporting and being there for and pouring into others as I did when I was on my own. And yeah, I was avoiding facing certain things, but I weren't ready. And so by doing and giving, I didn't get as low as I could have because I weren't, it weren't a waste of time. Like I said, I was definitely skirting around the idea of healing and facing things and remembering things and crying even, but I was distracting myself in the best way possible. So I say all of that in so much detail to say, if you're going through something and you're struggling and or you're living in an environment that is difficult and nobody knows, or you're going through things that you don't talk about. Don't read too deeply into these Instagram posts and these me- I don't know if they're memes, but you know, like quote posts that say, stop, stop pouring into others if you can't pour into yourself. Or, you know, these things that say that you're you're a people pleaser or, you know, you're, you're, I can't remember. I can't remember what they say, but I know the gist. And I know that I almost fell into that kind of seeing the, the desire I had to love on others when I was struggling as me, just people pleasing. And yeah, I've struggled with people pleasing and that's a whole different episode that we'll go into. But when you love on others, when you're struggling, that is major. And if you can do that, that's big, major, massive, huge. And again, I'll repeat Genevieve's quote. (laughs) If we open our hearts to give love, we are immediately transported into the joy and blessings of love. And so if you're not feeling joyful or blessed because you're going through something and it feels like your joy has been ripped away and God isn't near and you're not feeling good, simple as that. Loving on others is not avoidant. You will access joy and blessings through doing that. It's in giving that we receive. So I'm going off a bit there, but I just wanted to bring that up because it's it's spoken about a lot. Like I said, with my own experience, there comes a time where you do have to pour all of your energy into yourself, but don't feel like you're being fake if you don't have that for yourself, but you do have it for others because it's not an awful place to be. And it's not an awful 
use of your time at all. But there was a there came a time where I had to pull away and I had to hide away. And it was in that time, on that journey, that I really learned to connect with myself, to stand up for myself, to love myself. And it's an ongoing journey. There are times when I'm still not 100% loving towards myself. I still have to pause and remind myself that no matter what I'm doing that isn't aligned with my higher self or doesn't feel enough in regards to my activity, in regards to my inner life and just the way that I feel, I still deserve the top notch, 100% love. And that is, you know, that's a daily commitment, a daily act, and it's not easy. And so I can't remember where my my trainer thought, (laughs) oh, you're going to hear a lot of this. You're going to hear a lot of this. I can't remember where my trainer thought was going, but that that was kind of the the journey to me um understanding how important it is and now at this point 6 years later because the journey really started when i was 30 of course before that i was aware but i was avoiding let's just be real so it was about 6 years ago that i decided that i had to go all in and in that in that time along the way I realized that this whole experience of loving on myself also includes learning how to be loved and how to receive love and how to love others despite their mistakes and and you know shortcomings or flaws or whatever whatever else because we all have them and that as well wasn't easy I've got some bullet points here that I I wanted to <laughs> I wanted to write a kind of script. I received some advice from different people when I was planning this podcast and I I've listened to podcasts as well where I can clearly hear that someone's reading and I don't mind because <laughs> it's good and I I understand why that they would need to do that. And so I was going to do that for a few of my episodes and you know, there are there are going to be instances where there is something that I don't want to forget. So I I write it down and read it out normal. But what I did here is I put a list of bullet points of areas of my life or my own experience that I knew needed some attention, basically. And more importantly, where love was needed um, and where love was the issue so to speak. I wanted to put them all in specific order, um, but that was making me procrastinate further. So I'm going to go through them. Um, I might not go into too much detail about all of them, but I'm just going to, I'm just going to read some of them out to just share with you where and why, again, this is also important. Hopefully some of you resonate with some of these areas, because again, there will be times when I go into these things in more detail. There'll be some of these topics that I spend a whole episode on. If you're listening to this and there's one that stood out to you and you would like to hear more about it because you're going through it or you're just intrigued, by all means, do reach out. Do let me know because it might not be on the top of my list as something to go into further for a solo episode or even for a conversation with a guest. But 
if I know, if, if I know, <laughs> there's me with my Australian accent that I love, but if I know that one of you wants it, I'll do it quicker. So a few things. I, as I mentioned really briefly earlier, um, I lost my mum when I was 15 and I was obsessed with my mum. When I was three years old, she broke up with my dad and left. We lived in Birmingham, but they separated and she left to London um, and started a new life with us, me and my older brother and her new partner at the time. And for a while, I thought, I don't remember things from recently, but I remember being a child and feeling like my dad must be looking for me because I do remember being with him. I do remember him. And I remembered that I had this just, I had this longing to go back. Our new life had started, but all I witnessed was just dysfunction. Like my mum and her new partner were fighting all the time. We were living in like hotels and we weren't housed for a while. And it was just horrible. And I remember thinking, yeah, that my dad must be really worried and looking for me. And a few years later, I realized, I, I realized he wasn't. Um, and my mom took me back to Birmingham to see him and he wasn't really interested. That was really hard. Um, anybody who has grown up without a dad will know it was like my biggest trigger. I used to fight a lot in school. <laughs> that is really embarrassing. But in primary school, I used to, um, get into fights a lot and be quite boy quite boisterous and people knew that that would be like the trigger word you know you know and people would like cuss you in school and stuff like mine would always like my dad was like the the sore topic um and I went through all of those you know those experiences of seeing people with their dad and feeling you know just turmoil inside and I was quite young still when I knew that that he had rejected me, that he weren't interested. I, you know, I couldn't fathom it at first that that would ever happen. But I then became really, really obsessed with my mum. A lot of my life and my experiences with my self-esteem and men and self-acceptance came from a point of rejection. And that definitely came from the lack of a relationship with my dad. And I knew this because, you know, it was on my mind a lot. As I got older, it was on my mind a lot. I wondered if he wondered about me, you know, all of those things. But after a while, I started to just replace my sadness with anger. And so I cut him out of all the photos I had. <laughs> it's so annoying when you see your um, photo books. and Like I used to make collages, but I cut him out of all the photos and 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 stuff like that and I didn't talk bad of him but I definitely held resentment inside about him and that faded through prayer and through understanding forgiveness and through understanding what people struggle with and understanding that everyone's got their weaknesses and no one's perfect I did genuinely forgive him I didn't have contact I didn't tell him but I did let go and the freedom that gave me was just whew, a massive weight lifted. I, I no longer saw his absence as a personal thing, where before I thought that, you know, maybe when he saw me when I was a child, maybe if I looked different, 
um, he would have been interested. Or maybe if I was behaving in a certain way on that day, he would have been interested. And when I made that decision to forgive him, I realized that all throughout my life, I believed that people would treat me different if I looked and behaved different. And so that all that kind of set off this, this notion that my natural self or my true way of being, like my my normal behavior, wasn't lovable. And it's interesting because I never actually worded it like that. I never actually said that or thought that out loud. But that's what all of my self-doubt and all of my low self-image thoughts and feelings, that's, that's what they were all saying, to be honest. And so, yeah, got obsessed with my mum. <laughs> which isn't a bad isn't a bad place to be she was funny loving so affectionate um so you know empowering used to just build me up in everything I did everything I did I could draw a picture and and she would literally tell all her friends about the picture and and you know ask me if I've done more just just so just so empowering and when I was 15 she um well before I was 15 life started to change the whole time to be honest it was a, a dysfunctional home but you don't know at the time do you because you don't know any different until you go around people's houses and you realize well or you or you clock that some people's parents pick them up from school every day and and yours don't you know it's just just stuff like that like you realize that you're you're living in a dysfunctional household and I guess I I had a form of protection <laughs> over me where I didn't see a lot of it in the home. Um, there was a lot that I did see and there was a lot that I did experience and a lot of fear and a, a lot of scary situations. But whether I've just forgotten a lot of it or I was just, you know, protected in that way, I, yeah, there was a lot I didn't see. But towards my early teens, secondary school days, I started to see a lot. There was a lot that I did see, a lot of drug use, a lot of, um, you know, mum not coming home and stuff like that. And there was a lot. And so I was separated from my mum and at 15, she passed away. And it was it was out of the blue because we were being rehoused. We'd been evicted. And so I was in temporary foster care just until she got back on her feet. Um, but that didn't happen. And so it was out of the blue. Again, in a in a separate episode, I, I, I can feel that I was about to go into that a bit too much, but I don't want episode one to be 12 hours. So my mum was the only person that I really felt love from. Yeah, it's as simple as that. No, no two ways about it. And so losing her, I remember one of my main thoughts was like, what's the point in doing anything good now? Like, who's going to be proud of you? Who's going to, who are you going to tell? But luckily, I was placed into foster care with the most amazing family who are now, you know, my my second family, my my family, <laughs> not even second. That's my family. Um, and again, we'll talk about that in another one. But I I even had to I really struggled to accept love from them, from my foster mom. She is um, and was amazing she really took me in she really she she stopped foster caring because of me because she just you know she saw me as her own and 
I really struggled to receive that love. I asked her once and I'm actually going to have her on this podcast interviewing her, (laughs) not interviewing, but chatting with her. Um, But I asked her once, like, how do you even, how do you even mean that when she'd say she loves me and she sees me as her own? I'd be like, how do you even mean that when I'm not your blood? You know, I I just couldn't, I couldn't get it. And, um, And I had to learn to, and it was a beautiful but difficult experience. As I mentioned earlier, um, at the same time that my mum had passed, I had got into my first, I guess, serious, you'd say serious relationship when you're 15. It, it, when, you, when I say that now, I'm like, how could it have been serious? But yeah, and, and that, um, that was horrible and hard, you know, not just the violence and the controlling behavior and all of the abuse that came with it, but the fact that I thought I actually loved him. And so it was because I was struggling to accept love from my foster carer because I felt like, you know, it's her job to say this nice stuff to me. She's a paid foster carer. So, of course, she will say that. And, you know, this is what she's good at. I I couldn't see it as real at a point. And because she was, you know, parenting me. And I guess I was at the age, I hadn't been parented in this way in like a, in a healthy way my my mum didn't experience me as a a a growing teenager so the discipline that my um that Marv mummy Marv will call her um because I don't like calling her my foster mum that's that doesn't that doesn't sound right but (laughs) the the discipline she gave me felt like hostility um when it was just love (laughs) so you know and and then so when I got with this guy and I felt like I loved him because I was affectionate with him and he was affectionate with me and you know in my mind well he's chosen to love me and you know the affection was it felt I remember hugging him once and thinking this feels like my mum and I hadn't been affectionate with anyone um since she passed I weren't that affect- I weren't I weren't that affectionate with others and so yeah I remember hugging him once and feeling like literally like I was hugging my mum and that to me meant that he was the one and that he was this was true love because of the feeling that I was experiencing and so when he started being horrible to me and cheating on me and and just you know disrespecting me and and the abuse, the violence, everything. I, I overlooked it. I overlooked it. I also didn't see the violence as, as big of a deal as everyone else would have if I told them, because I didn't tell anyone, because I heard how people spoke about those things, but it didn't feel that big of a deal because I'd constantly seen that with my mum, you know, like violent relationships and, and stuff like that. So it weren't like the weirdest thing to me. Um, I didn't it wasn't a red flag the outpouring of love that came with the apology was like worth it almost I was that desperate and and in need of love that yeah I, I just that came over everything the the feelings I had towards him and again I was 15 well I was 16 when the violence started but you know 
you don't know anything at that age but yeah the recovery from that because it was six years it was all of my teenage years basically 15 to 21 I couldn't grieve my mum I was too scared for my life and and worrying about what he was going to do every minute and again I know I keep saying this and it's not to tease it's just to touch on things but I will talk about that more in a separate episode. But yeah, so so when I got out of that relationship, the guard I had up, the refusal to love and be loved, because I felt like everything he did to me was because I loved him so much and because he knew he could get away with it. And so I then associated pure love with abuse. For some reason, I just felt like if I showed someone how I felt, if I really... um loved on people or forgave any of their mistakes they would then begin to start abusing me because they would see me as a pushover after that any relationship that I was in anyone showed any kind of you know mistake or anything I was out or I would like just disconnect mentally and plan my way out and also if I did feel really strong things I couldn't show it I just I just had this real cold, not fully cold. Well, it was cold because if unless I was drinking or misusing substances, I couldn't express affection or emotion. Um, there was just such a block there. And I know that's not just to do with my ex, but also, you know, losing my mom and and feeling as well like anyone I got close to, I would often ask myself when I was getting close to someone, and this could just be friendships, what would I do if they died? And if the feeling associated with that was devastation, I would pull away because I didn't want to go through missing my mum. I didn't want to go through missing anyone in the same way that I'd miss my mum. I didn't, it was just the worst feeling to know that you love someone that much and you're never going to see them again. And I was living it and I hated it. And so I didn't want to ever live it again. So anytime I felt love around someone, I would um, pull away or I would ask myself verbally, like I just said, how would you feel if they died? And I'd feel a twinge in my chest and I'd be like, okay, stop contacting them for a bit, pull away a bit. And again, that would even be with friends. It was just, yeah, it was just that, that, that was really conscious you know, those conversations. But when I when I matured enough to stop asking myself that, it was still subconscious. I would still be mortified at the idea of loving someone enough to miss them if they died. And so, yeah, it just meant that all of my relationships were riddled with fear. With? With <laughs> fear. And yeah, I just, I just weren't ever able to really let go. That guard was up and it was not coming down. Another thing to note, I'm just looking at my bullet points here again. Another thing that I wanted to note, I don't know. I don't know why I feel to add this, to be fair, but the abuse I went through started off with a lot of controlling behavior and telling me I can't do this and telling me I can't do that. And because I had started to understand that my foster mum's strictness was love, I started to like being told what I could and couldn't do because then I saw that as love. When I was living with my mum, towards the end of her life there wasn't much strictness because she wasn't very present we could probably do anything we didn't really you know I was young but I could stay at my friend's houses all day and and stuff like that and she wouldn't be mad because she wouldn't really be very present you know what I've realized 
this podcast is probably going to be similar to me just voice noting my friends because my doorbell just went and I don't remember where I was and I don't want to go back um so I think I'm just gonna mention a few of the other things bullet pointed yeah another thing to know is I am now a wife um after struggling so much to believe in love and to accept love and to feel worthy of love I am now a wife I always felt like I was a wife you know I did I always felt like I was but um seeing it actually happen was a journey in itself and I am going to have my husband on the podcast at some point soon and probably loads of times but um but it is great news <laughs> that I got there um and he's been amazing for my healing journey and just for again teaching me what love is and um and I'm glad that I took all of that time to work on myself before I met him he has been vital in helping me overcome certain things and and you know you all your stuff comes up when you get into a relationship especially a healthy relationship especially when you're with your one all of your stuff does come up and he's just been amazing in helping me process it and being patient when I was probably getting right on his nerves but yeah so that that's uh a bit of good news because this has been a little bit somber hasn't it <laughs> so I've spoken about being scared to love because of losing my mum and pulling away receiving love in general has been difficult even compliments even like seeing someone text me something nice and being like unable to open the text like seeing you know when you can see a little bit of the screen and seeing that the person had is saying something really nice I couldn't open it like I couldn't open messages like that I struggled to receive love on that level I would believe every bad thing I thought about myself every bad thing I thought people were thinking of me never any good if people said good things to me or if you know if I felt something good about myself I would never cling to it so again receiving love was massive for me and I'm able to do it now <laughs> I am able to just say thanks when I get a compliment instead of giving it back <laughs> instead of throwing it straight back at the person you know when you understand yourself you can love yourself I wrote that and that is important because I have said a lot that receiving certain diagnosis is was quite liberating for me because I started to understand why I did certain things and even you know and, and why I felt certain ways and spending time looking back on some of the things I'd been through even though I was avoiding doing that was difficult but also so eye-opening so that is an act of love spending that time to understand yourself and to dissect some of the behaviors that you present that you're not necessarily comfortable with or, or you feel don't align with how you really feel that is an act of love having self-compassion has helped me ma massively just looking at myself like a friend thinking about myself as you know when I'm having a day where I can't be productive or I'm not feeling at my best and just looking at myself and saying if this was a friend of mine who had been through everything I'd been through and this is how she was feeling today and she came to me just in that despair how would I treat her what would I say to her how would I look at her 
And having that kind of narrative towards myself really, really helped to helped what I hear you ask or have have I made sense if you are thinking that (laughs) help me to move on help me to heal help me to love myself and again not just feel love for myself but to commit to loving on myself I talked about people pleasing earlier and that has definitely been to my detriment a lot of the time because whilst there were times where loving on others and and trying to help you know dedicate most of my time to helping others and making sure that they were freeing themselves from certain things and happy there were times when I was absolutely giving myself away absolutely abusing myself by doing it so yeah there there was that element of feeling like I needed to be needed in order to be valuable like if I weren't, you know, I was okay with friendships where it was one-sided and I was giving, 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 and, you know, some of my friends didn't have an interest in my life or or how I felt. I was okay with that. And so, you know, learning boundaries over the years and and understanding where there's giving and there's loving on people and then there's absolutely not loving yourself enough to know that you deserve more in all in all aspects of life you know another area of my life where I had to really really hone in on was my self-image and how I felt about myself in regards to my looks and, and what that meant um I suffered with eating disorders from so young I'd say it started at 11 for up until my 20s it was in my 20s um it was obviously not as severe the whole time. There were times where my thoughts were more unhealthy than my actions. I had an older friend who, you know, trigger warning, um, but who taught me how to, she was 14 and, and she was probably struggling. I didn't know at the time, but yeah, she taught me how to throw up basically. And um, I didn't quite know why. Uh, I I saw it as kind of like a childish party trick. And I'm not going to go into too much detail about that right now. Of course, I've said this a thousand times. I'm only touching on things. But I do find this is a topic that I'd need to probably have as a a whole separate trigger warning because it is really unhealthy um, to just, you know, talk about certain things off the cuff. It can be. It can be. I know that when I used to hear, um, and you never know what people are going through, you know, I I don't, I don't feel to do that right now. I'm not going to be pussyfooting around every topic on this podcast, but I am going to have certain podcasts that have certain episodes, sorry, that have a set title. So you know what you're getting yourself into. And I'll just pray against it falling on the wrong ears. And I say that because when I was struggling with eating disorders and I'd see magazines with these stories about how, you know, girls nearly died of anorexia and stuff like that, I would literally just find the articles and skip to, I would literally buy the magazine, sorry, and skip to the article to get tips, not on how to get to that point, but yeah, it was bad. I I would try to get tips from stuff like that. And I don't I don't want this to be, yeah. I, I I'm scared for people 
that are in that place. So yeah, I'll pray about that. <laughs> I'll pray about that before sharing more. But I had to really learn to separate myself from those thoughts and those behaviors and and how ingrained in me they were. It weren't just like, oh, you know, a choice. It was just how I thought and how I felt and how I saw things. And, you know, with that comes a lot of body dysmorphia and and yeah, recovering from that. That has been that has been one of the most liberating because that's like that is one of the ultimate prisons I was in. I would say one of the hardest, of course, not being open to love and not feeling free enough to love in case you lose love or in case you get abused or taken advantage of. That's horrible. But being controlled by thoughts that you in your body are unacceptable and horrible and that is hard and so the feeling of being free from that and don't get me wrong I'll be open there are times where I there are thoughts that jump into my mind when I'm not feeling great about myself but I identify them for what they are I don't judge myself for having them I don't think I've regressed I just see I just identify them for what I what they are and there were times where I'd rebel against them and do the opposite of what they wanted me to do. Um, but yeah, that's another area that I've I've had to really use love as my tool. And it's worked. Now, as you all know, by now, I'm completely obsessed with the fact that love is an action. And so yeah, there are many acts of love that can change our life. Self-belief is an act of love. Leaps of faith are an act of love. Stepping away from toxicity is, so is creating boundaries. Pulling ourselves up and out of bad habits and bad attitudes is an act of love. Art can be an act of love, a way to express love. We can love on others through artistic things. There are so many different aspects of love and learning how to love that are life-changing, that are important, and that we're going to cover over the next few weeks, months, years, and forevermore, <laughs> forevermore. So I'm going to wrap up episode one now because I am feeling like I've run down Rambletown. I I'm feeling like it's been a bit somber, but I wanted to just talk about things that I've overcome with love, that I have been healed from, and I'm still healing from, through love, through self-love, through the love of others, through God's love, through opening myself up to love, through walking in love, through choosing love over fear which expresses itself through anger, bitterness, jealousy, envy, all these different things. And so, yeah, for anyone struggling right now in any of these areas, I wanted to just encourage and empower you because if I can get through some of the mess and if I can be free from some of the chains that I have, and again, you'll understand the gravity as we get to know each other more, then you can do anything. You can do anything. There are light thoughts that I have now and I just celebrate them as they come because I couldn't see the light 
at certain times, I really couldn't. I'm going to end this episode with something that I heard and I loved. And I didn't know when I was going to include it in the podcast, but it's going to be now. Um, And it's by somebody called Adam Rower. He's a poet. And this is what he said. We do not heal ourselves. Love heals us. So really, our job is to simply let more in and watch as everything else gets pushed up and out. Yes, that means we have to face it all since the only way is through. But the beautiful thing is that all that's now left is love. We don't heal. All that happens is we relax our nervous systems enough to feel a little bit safer. And in that moment, when the fear goes, love comes in and love expands. And in that expansion, it pushes out the things that needed to be felt. And that is an act of self-love to give yourself permission to feel the things that had been stored in there. So sorry if I read that funny you know where you can tell when when the grammar goes a bit wrong (laughs) I I um I haven't read it out loud before I wrote it down because I loved it and it's not a poem but he is a poet but in an interview he said it and I just sat down scribbling it down because I just thought it was amazing so yeah I haven't practiced reading it out loud before so if the grammar was all over the place and I'm sorry but I will probably link it in the in the notes so that you can actually read it or I'll put it up on Instagram or something so you can actually see it. But thank you. Let me close. Let me actually close. Thank you for being here. Thank you for committing some time to listen to this episode. And welcome again to the Learning How to Love podcast. I can't wait for you to hear all of the goodness coming. Um, I can't wait for you to get involved in some of it as well, because that's what I would love. I would love for you to send in some of your experiences, send in questions. Um, I will have, like I mentioned in the trailer episodes where I am just addressing questions and thoughts and things that you guys send in. So yeah, I'll be looking forward to that. Um, Everything that you want to say, you can send it to me at penny at learninghowtolove.com. And the two is a number. So it's learning how number two, learning how to to love.com. So penny at learning how to love.com. Again, the two is a number. Um, And so is the Instagram. It's the same. You can come and follow the podcast on Instagram and yeah, connect there and send me anything that you're thinking So I can, and and of course, if you just want to share your thoughts and you don't want me to address it on one of those episodes, do let me know as well. Um, But yeah, I've loved sharing with you guys and I look forward to doing it some more. Enjoy the rest of your day. Goodbye.